What's your purpose in life? You ever ask yourself that question? <laughs> Is this the job I should have? Uh, should I go back to school? Uh, should, I, should I be a parent? Uh, sh should I marry this person? What should I do with my time? What am I here on this earth for? What is my purpose? Now, whether you've verbalized that or you've just pondered it internally a time or two, I would guess that more people in this room have questioned their purpose in life than haven't. Now, you can hop on Google. You can type in, what is my purpose? And you're going to find uh, millions of responses. Actually, 1.3 billion responses to that question. You can jump from job to job. You can talk to as many people as you know and receive hundreds uh, of different ideas and responses to what your life purpose is. You can stop at the bookstore. You can be met with bookshelf after bookshelf that claims to help you discover your purpose in life. Often we classify these books as self-help books, and well, they almost always approach the subject from the same um, viewpoint, a self-centered viewpoint. Self-help books, even those written by Christian worldviews, usually offer the same predictable ways and steps to finding your life's purpose. It goes something like this, contemplate your dreams. Make clear goals and values. Set some goals. Discover what you are good at. Aspire to greatness. Put in the work. Start doing something. Be disciplined. Believe that you can do it. Involve others and don't give up. Don't quit. And the truth of the matter is, if you search and you take that type of search seriously, it's going to often lead to great success. If you are diligent and you set your mind to something and you create achievable goals, there's no doubt that you can be successful. But being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not all the same. Because the truth is, we can, we can be in our sweet spot. We can have the, the perfect job and feel like we are the perfect fit for everything that we're involved in and still not know our purpose. We can be a raving success and still miss the purpose that the Creator has given for our life. And if God gave us every breath that we breathe, then God and God alone is the only one that can tell us our purpose. The Creator of creation is the only one that can tell the creation what it's created for. You need more than goals. You need more than grandma's advice. You need more than self-help books that help you discover your purpose. You need, you need God. Now, God's Word says this in Matthew chapter 16, follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is not help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, defining yourself, your true self. You know, for thousands of years, astronomers believed that uh, the earth was the center of the universe and that everything revolved around the earth. Stars, planets, the sun itself revolved around the earth. That was until Nicholas Copernicus in the 15th century theorized and discovered that the sun, not the earth, was the center of the solar system and that the earth instead spun around the sun once a year. It's called the heliocentric or the sun-centered system. This is the problem with our worldview of finding our purpose. It starts with centering your search around the wrong thing, yourself. You see, when we search for our purpose, we may find success. But when we search for God's purpose, we find life. 
Self-help always is centered around finding yourself, but we're not here to find ourself. I don't think God put us on this earth to find ourselves. God put us on this earth to find him. In Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 11, it says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had a design on, on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. Most of us are, are deeply concerned with living meaningful lives, purposeful lives. And we spend a lot of energy trying to figure out what it is that we should be doing. We want to know what God wants for our life, and we want to know it today, don't we? It's like this. If, if you want to find purpose, you need to stop searching for yourself and start searching for, for God. And the things change when you start to search out God's purpose for your life. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 30, it says this, Jesus must become more important while I become less important. It's the crux of this series that we're in, and detox, and as we talk about this idea of making, making ourselves less, more of God and less of me, more of the Holy Spirit in my life and less of, of my spirit, more of, of Christ in my life and less of my way. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 22. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, the foundation of our, our message this morning. Uh, we're going to be in verse 39 and following. It's on page 856 in the Bibles that are just right in front of you uh, below the chairs. Now let me set the scene a little bit for you. Jesus, God's one and only Son, has, has come to this earth. God in the form of humanity has lived amongst His people in perfection and without sin. Now for the last three years, He has performed one miracle after another. He has taught crowds of thousands and fed them. He has mentored boys into men that are going to die for his name's sake. He has preached in the temple and he has trumped all the questions of the religious elite. There's no denying that Jesus was a leader. There's no denying that he was a, a miracle worker, a teacher, and a friend. And a quick glance into the Gospels will show you that Jesus was successful with his ministry. But Jesus' purpose was not to be a miracle worker. If that was the case, well, he would have just go, kept going from town to town, performing miracle after miracle, and gaining more and more crowds to follow him. Jesus' purpose was not just to be a teacher. If that was the case, he would have jumped through the hoops to become a part of the religious and educational establishments in that day so that he could be a teacher that transformed the life of students for years to come. And Jesus' purpose was not just to be a mentor. If Jesus' purpose was to be a mentor, he would have stayed with the 12 and continued to mentor them and then released them, and then he would have taken on 12 more and continued to mentor thereafter. But Jesus' purpose was not for these singular things. They weren't to, to buy him fanfare and warm feelings. He knew from the very beginning that his purpose was God's purpose. But as the scene unfolds here at the end of Jesus' ministry, at the end of his life, just before he, he goes to the cross, I think that we see maybe one of the greatest temptations that Jesus has ever experienced. Now, we know that three years prior to the, the start, uh, or three years prior in the start of his ministry, that he had went off into the desert for 40 days, right? And then he was, he was tempted with three different things, right? Food, power, security, 
In a, in a grueling moment of want, after these 40 days of fasting, Jesus stands firm in the face of temptation. It's proof that while fasting may weaken the body, it strengthens the soul. You know, it's my hope that this week that you've been following along with us in our detox book. We're on day 15 of our reading plan. And if you were, were doing that, you, you probably took on the challenge um, to take, take a whole week to fast from something. And we let you decide what that fast was. And, and my hope is that, that you, were, you found yourself maybe at, at moments saying, I'm hungry, my body feels weak, and I am in want. But, and you felt hungry physically, you were strengthened in soul. We find that in the temptation of Jesus. But then we, we come to the end of his life, here in, in Luke 22. And I don't know if any of those temptations in the desert can compare to this moment in the garden. This is one of those climactic moments of the life of Jesus while he was on this earth. This is the moment he had to take the finishing step into fulfilling God's purpose. Look with me at verse 39 in your Bibles. It says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You know, as the scene unfolds, here, it's clear that there's some tension in the air. All Jesus had to do was say the word. I mean, all he had to do is say, help, and a legion of angels would have come to his rescue, and he could have returned to the glory of God, but that's not what he does. Jesus is in anguish because he knows that God's purpose is taking him to the cross of Calvary. Jesus had, he had a choice. Here in this moment, he had a choice. He could have chose security. He could have chose safety. He could have chose his way over God's way. Jesus knew that in the hours ahead that he would be, he would be humiliated, that he would be abused, that he would suffer shame and pain on the cross. He knew that he would be made sin in our place and that for the very first time, he would be separated from God the Father. We see that anguish. When he asked the Father, if you are willing, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But then we see his resolve. Then we see his choice. Not my will, but yours be done. And with those words, Jesus etched into stone his faithfulness as he chose to align his life with God's purpose. So what's your purpose in life? To choose to align your life with God's purpose. So what's God's purpose? That's the real question we should ask. You know, God has something good in store for you. In John chapter 10, it says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You were meant for greatness. You were meant for goodness. You were meant for godliness. Your life was meant for passion and perseverance and purpose. God's purpose. But let's be honest, I can stand here and tell you this, 
I can try to use elegant words, voice inflection. I can try to have courageous posture and try to help you realize just how important this is until I am blue in the face. I can act as a coach up here, and I can try to pump you up for the big game and set you loose for God's purpose. I can tear up and express emotion and help you see how passionate I believe this to be true. But we all know that life awaits outside those doors. The gloomy days are on the horizons, that problems, well, problems will return, and family hurt will raise its ugly head again, and the addiction will come knocking, and the world will leave us questioning again our purpose. So how can we stop aimlessly wandering through this life and daily start walking with God? We have to align our life with God's purpose. So how do you align your life with God's purpose? Well, let me tell you this. Your life is not aligned with his purpose if you have some of these things going on. These six things that say you aren't living with purpose. You're blatantly living in sin is number one. You know, I I had a season of life where I was really struggling with some things. And I walked into a friend and, and a mentor's office of mine, and I remember him directly asking me that question. Evan, are you living in sin? Are there, is there something in your life that you need to get get rid of? Are you blatantly living in sin? Because if you're blatantly living in sin, you can't align your life with God's purpose. Two, do you lack joy and excitement? And there's a difference between joy and happiness, and that's a sermon for another day, but, but joy is something that God gives us even in the midst of difficulties. Do you lack that joy and excitement? Do you feel, do you don't, you don't feel much fulfillment in life? Do you ever feel this way? Where, where you just feel like, I'm not fulfilled? Uh, you feel like consistently there's something, something wrong. God is a God that wants to fulfill us. You work so that you don't have to work, right? Working for the weekend, the song says, right? And maybe that's you. You just say, I work, I work, I work, just so that I can get through the weekend to enjoy myself. That's not, that's not a God purpose to life. Five, you feel stuck. You feel like you're just in a place, and you have, and which is six, you have no direction. The creator of the creation is the only one that can tell the creation what it was created for. And we were created to align our life with God's purpose. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what's God's purpose? The two greatest commandments say God's purpose is this, to know him, love him, and to tell others of him, right? The the Great Commission would sum it up with two letters, G-O, go, that we are called to to love God and to love others, and that demands our action, so we are going out into the world to tell others about who Christ is. James, the brother of Jesus, says it demands faith and action, and I think as the brother of Christ, you might be able to tell us a little bit about that. Paul would would challenge us to be a living sacrifice in the book of Romans. The truth is, God is not asking us to take one large step. He is asking us to take one small step, one after another, over and over and over again, one moment after another of saying, not my will, but yours be done. It's then that we start to live in God's purpose because we are aligning our life with his purpose. But I often find that taking the small step is difficult. Taking the small step to following God is hard at times. And there are moments where we have questions and we worry and we wonder where there is hurt. Mountaintops can oftentimes be followed by by valleys. 
So as we take one step after another, loving God and loving others and aligning our life with God's purpose, here are some things to keep in mind. God's purpose will not always look like we pictured it to look. You know, my family has a, a dog. His name is Tank. And now you, you, you get that, that name of a dog named Tank, you think, right? Tank's got to be a big pit bull or he's got to be a, some sort of mastiff or something like that. Tank is a mutt from the pound. He probably weighs 15 pounds. We think he's got some dachshund in him. I mean, soaking wet. The dog's scared to death of, of, of anything. Uh, so I just have a dog named Tank so that I scare people away from coming over to my house, uh, not because he's actually a big, a big dog. You see, oftentimes in life, we picture God's purpose as looking one way, and it, it doesn't turn out the way we pictured it. Think of the life of Joseph. The story of Joseph is found in Genesis chapter 37. If you don't know this story, let me encourage you to take some time to read through it. Genesis chapter 37. Take some time later on um, today to, to look at the story of Joseph. But let's just say this. Uh, Joseph has this dream that his brothers are going to, to bow down to him. But before the dream is realized, those same brothers sell Joseph into slavery. And he's a slave for 10 years. And, and then the, the slave owner's wife, Potiphar's wife, decides to accuse Joseph of, of raping her. Well, it wasn't true, but, but he still received the punishment. So he finds himself in jail and then eventually works his way up the ladder. And before you know it, he's the Pharaoh's right-hand man. And well, then and only then did his brothers bow down to him. I'm sure Joseph didn't picture slavery in prison in the dream of God's purpose for his life. Scripture revealed, though, that all along, God knew what was taking place, and God's hand was on Joseph's life. And we can be assured that God's hand is on our life. But if Joseph's trip from slavery to his dreams materializing wasn't a straight line for him, why would we think it would be a straight line for us? The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. David was, was pursued by King Saul for years after he was told that he would be the next king. The first Christians were attacked for the cause of Christ. Actually, the attack of the, the early Christians led to the spread of the gospel. Paul was blinded on the road by God himself. Our picture of God's purpose most likely won't turn out the way we believed it should. But the Creator will always see that his intents come to happen. It's kind of like this. You guys remember Bob Ross? Bob Ross was like the painter on PBS. Outside of the hair, I mean, Bob Ross has a, an awesome set of hair, right? Some of you guys are jealous about Bob Ross right now. Uh, but uh, Bob Ross used to paint. If you've ever caught one of those episodes of Bob Ross painting, he would start painting something, and you're like, dude, this guy can't paint. How'd he get a show on PBS? It was just like a, a slop of a mess. And then with like a swath of this and a swath of that, all of a sudden these beautiful mountains come into picture and these trees. And, and before you know it, you're like, whoa, man, this guy can paint, right? That's kind of how it works with God. There are times in life where we are going, what in the world is going on? And we don't understand what the Creator has in store. And then before we know it, with a swath of this and a swath of that, a masterpiece comes to be seen. I think someday in heaven we'll look back at our life and we'll look down and we'll go, oh, wow, I didn't realize what you were doing in the midst, but I do, I do now. God's purpose is greater than we could ever imagine it, but it might not look like we pictured it to look. The second thing is this, that God's purpose will not always be sunshine and rainbows. If we're living for God, everything's supposed to be easy, right? 
We're never supposed to have problems, right? We're going to be rich, and we're going to feel great, and we're going to look good, right? Man, that would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) But we know the honest truth, that in this world, because of the curse of sin, that this world we live in is a fallen world, and because of that, there is something in opposition to God, and that opposition causes trouble. We want to believe that it's going to be easy, and it would be very easy to fall into this type of version of Christianity that says that God's supposed to make my life go well. Here's how this progression happens. It kind of goes like this. God saved me and offers me life and forgiveness. Okay, that's right. That's true. He saved you and offers you life and forgiveness. Well, this must mean that God wants my life to be happy and go the way I envision it. Mm, I don't think so, right? What we pictured and what has actually happened, we just looked through that. Well, if hard things happen to me, that makes me then question God and his reliability. Uh-oh, we got problems here. And some of you are thinking, maybe this is how I believe faith to be for years. If my life picture is not coming true, it must mean that either God is punishing me or he is not who I thought he was. And then if tragedy happens in my life, it just must mean that God is either incapable or unloving. Either he is not capable of stopping it, which means I now have a crisis of faith, or he doesn't love me enough or is punishing me and cursing me, which gives me a crisis of heart. What ultimately it comes back to is us placing the belief that our life is of the greatest importance. If God truly loved me, he would think more of me and make my life easier. Plain and simple is this, we're selfish people, but God does still love us. He loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. Now, there's going to be difficult days. You're not always going to have the warm, fuzzy feeling that you have uh, when you maybe walk into this place and you sing and worship or when you made a decision of faith or when you feel like you're just tracking with the Lord and things are great or you have this, this feeling, I know that I'm in God's will. You're not always going to have that feeling. You know, the older I have gotten and the more I've learned to align my life with God, the more I quickly see his confirmation. It's like when I take a step and I go, it's like God says, Evan, yes, you're doing the right thing. This is the right step of faith. I'm glad you're, you're being obedient and willing. But as soon as I, I receive God's confirmation, it's just as quickly that I receive the adversary's attack. I mentioned John 10.10. 10. That Jesus came to give life and life to the full, but you got to read the, the first part of the verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, as the famous theologian said, Rocky Balboa, <laughs> he said, let me tell you something. You already know, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently. If you let it, you, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Life's going to come at you. But God's purpose won't waste those experiences. You know, for the addict that is recovering from your addiction, God never wanted you to experience the pain that a substance addiction can cause. But he can use it to help others. He can use your transformational experience to then help steer clear others from running into their own addiction. To the person that was beaten as a child or verbally abused, God never wanted that pain for you. But he can use your childhood trauma to to make you one of the greatest mothers and fathers to your own children. To the man who pulls the short end of the stick when the company has to let somebody go, God didn't want you to lose your job. 
But he can use your life and your story of trusting God for his provision to change the way the coworker beside you who experienced the same news reacts to it as well. To the woman who has a distant husband that seems more like a roommate and whom you wonder if they'll ever love you again. God didn't want this type of relationship for you. But God can use your faithfulness to point other women with similar experiences to Christ. And he can even change the hard heart of the man who's loved you for years. God is in the business of making masterpieces out of our messes. From the beginning of creation, mankind has made a mess of God's masterpiece. But, but God weaves together each of our experiences and uses them for good. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, this is a verse that if, if you don't have a verse of scripture that you hold tightly to, like put a mark in your Bible, um, note this down, write this out on a card, find a way to stick it somewhere where you see it visibly, memorize it and, and put it in your mind. Because when you have tough days, it's often good to be reminded of this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Each situation you experience in this world is not in vain. It's not in vain. Even our greatest pain, even our greatest pain can you use to bring glory to God. Fourth is this, that God's purpose will not end unfinished. Have you ever taken a puzzle out? Like it's one of these like 500 piece, 1,000 piece puzzles. You put the puzzle all together and you're missing one piece, right? And you're like searching for that piece. You're looking all over the place for that piece and you can't find the piece. Isn't that a, a, just a ah, feeling... Well, you can't, I mean, something's left unfinished. You want to see the final product. You ever, as a, a man, maybe you maybe have some projects out in the garage. Maybe you're souping up the old hot rod and you, your wife walks out into the garage and she says something like, are you about done? And you're thinking, I've got 15 more things to do on the old hot rod. Like, I still got a lot to be done, right? There's no way I'm not done yet. Or women, you, you ever had one of those moments where you're watching a Nicholas Sparks romantic movie? Could you imagine if the last 10 minutes the movie started skipping and you couldn't watch the rest of it? Like Hulu glitched out and you lost your Wi-Fi connection, what that would feel like? An unfinished movie is not a fun feeling. I think oftentimes in our life, we begin to align our life with God's purpose and there's this unfinished feeling. Like right when you start to think you're getting a hold of it, Thank you. You know what God has planned? A curveball gets sent your way. <laughs> and then we feel like we're, we're missing a piece, or I still got a checklist of things to do, or I missed the last 10 minutes of the best movie that I've ever watched. But, but we can take heart, because we know what God's Word tells us. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God will fulfill his purpose in you. God has not and will not give up on you. He won't leave you half finished. He won't just throw you to the side and say, I'm done with them. I guess I'll work on something else. That's not how it works. In Psalm 138, verse 8, it says, the Lord will Fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a word, it's called shikah. It's defined as wait. It's often used in scripture to say that you can wait on God. But this isn't like the waiting that happens at the doctor's office. You know how it is. They tell you to show up 20 minutes early and an hour later you're still sitting in the waiting room. Um, it's not that type of waiting. No, this is the waiting that happens on uh, in a child's heart on Christmas Eve. 
And they go to sleep, and they just expectantly are waiting for Christmas morning when the the alarm says 7 a.m., and they're allowed to get up and go wake up mom and dad. And because they know that there's going to be gifts under the tree, they are anticipating the, the, the wonder and joy that they are going to experience. That's the type of waiting that we are told we can have in God. You know, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but they who wait... They who wait expectantly, they who wait anticipating, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You can wait expectantly on God, knowing that he who began a good work in you will not leave you unfinished. Now he's going to bring out completion in Christ. And finally, God's purpose will not take away your choice. Did you catch the situation with Jesus, right? Here he is in the garden. He's having this moment. God, if you could, would you take this cup from me? And Jesus had a choice. He could have chose his way. He could have chose to run from the pain. He could have chose to run from the hurt that he knew he was going to experience. He had a a choice. So if God's will ultimately prevails, that means I don't have a choice, right? Wrong. That's the beauty of God's grandeur, that he can weave together his purpose through the midst of our chaos, that God will use our decisions to bring about his glory. You see, the greatest gift given to mankind is free will, that we are given the ability to choose, that we have a decision not our will be done, but yours be done. You know, author and pastor Rick Warren said that our lives were purposed for these five things, and I think they, they are spot on, right? We are planned for God's purpose. We were formed for God's family. We were created to become like Christ. We were shaped for serving God, and we were made for a mission. And there's no question, there's no question that God has great plans for your life. But God is not sitting up in heaven puppeteering us. It's actually kind of a sick view to think that he would do that. It's a sad view to think that God is up there and he's just like pulling the strings like, oh, this person's going to do this and this is going to happen. This is what's going to take place and this is how it's going to be purpose. Now, God gives us the free will to choose his purpose or ours. So what's God's purpose? He wants us to be free from guilt, free from punishment, that sin has caused, and to know that you are, you are loved. He wants you to be in a right relationship with him. He wants you to know him and to pursue him one step after another, one moment after another of saying, I'm going to align my life with God's will. Your choice determines your destiny. So what will it be? Will you choose to align your life with God's purpose?